Dutch and their association with football, it immediately evokes images of Johan Cruyff and his iconic Cruyff turn, Van Basten's almost impossible goal in 1988, Ruud Hulet's sexy football, Ajax winning the European Cup in 1995, and the famous Sea of Orange that accompanies the Netherlands national team wherever they play. It really is a world away from our own domestic football scene here in Northern Ireland, where the prospect of a Tuesday night fixture away to Warren Point Town doesn't quite have the same appeal as what the Netherlands can offer. And yet recently I've come across a Dutch historian who is so fascinated by the history of football in Belfast that he's decided to write a book about it, in Dutch and for a Dutch audience. Wouter Scholema is from the Friesland region in the north of the Netherlands, and through his studies at the Groningen University, Wouter gained a keen interest in the history of Ireland, and in particular, the more recent history of Northern Ireland. Football-wise, he supports a club called Cambuur, who, if the Dutch Eredivisie is turned upside down, are one of the top teams in the Netherlands. In reality, though, they're about to be relegated to the Dutch second tier. At Cambuur, Wouter provides stadium tours for visitors, and he's also the Dutch language teacher for the foreign players at the club. Over the last year or so, Wouter and I have struck up a friendship due to our mutual interest in football, and so I thought it was only right and proper that I should invite him on to the podcast to talk about his book. And so I began by asking him where his fascination came from for Belfast. Well, um, what attracted me in Northern Irish football, um, it's quite difficult, I think, uh, because I'm never going somewhere for the level of play. And I think in Northern Ireland, that's a very positive thing because the level of the football is not very good. But on the other hand, I'm a Cambuur uh, supporter and we are quite awful as well. But I, what I do love about Belfast is that there are a lot of stories and there's so much to tell about those clubs. There's so much history and I uh, love old stadiums. And if you go to Belfast, uh, you, you go to the Oval, you go to Solitude. Yeah, there, there's so much history there. The stadiums are so old. Um, the first time that I went to Belfast was in 2015 and I visited the Oval. And from there, yeah, the ball just kept rolling. Um, once you visited Belfast for for the first time, and and then you fell in love, you you just fell in love with the with the city, with the people, with the stadiums, um, but also uh, because football is really accessible in Belfast. If you go to the Premier League, for example, it's really expensive and very difficult to get tickets. Um, you have a lot of tourists, and you feel like um, yeah, like a how do you say it? Um, consumer a little bit. And you're not feeling very welcome. And in Belfast, you feel so welcome. From the moment you enter a stadium, people are going to ask you questions and, and going to invite you for a beer and telling a lot of stories about their clubs. So yeah, Belfast is really a welcoming place to watch football. And that's what, you, you, that's what attracted me this, about Belfast. You find this particular, uh, particular affinity with Crusaders, is that fair to say? Um, uh, next, next question, of course. Um, otherwise, uh, my friends of Christopher will shoot me, uh, probably. Um, now, I, I do have to say that uh, my first visit was for Glen Thorne, and, and I had a special feeling for Glen Thorne uh, from that moment uh, because of the people I met. I met Sam Robinson, which is a very good uh, guy, and, and he knows a lot about the club. Uh, I spoke with Elfio van Overbeek, a Dutch guy who played there. Um, the Oval is, is just a magnificent stadium. If you're from abroad, I can imagine if you're from Belfast, you have to go to the away section there that you're taking. Well, this is a 
shithole, please, please do something about it. But if you're from abroad, this is really what you're looking for. But when I uh, started uh, visiting other clubs as well, uh, every club has something special. And uh, I know that your friend Ricky and also my friend now Ricky uh, likes to tease me about my love for uh, for uh, Crusaders. Um, what I like about Crusaders is that, is that it's a very friendly, family friendly club. It's a, it's quite a small club compared to the other clubs, I think. But um, the first time I went there um, was for an away game, actually. And I walked in, in, the, in, the, in the north of Belfast and I saw those murals and thinking, well, hmm, it's not looking very welcoming at all. And it was raining and it was cold and stuff, like always Belfast. But from the moment I, I entered the social club, uh, they just handed me a beer and um, I had a talk with Mark Langhammer and Mark Langhammer introduced me to uh, uh, Justin and Justin introduced me to some other fans. And, and from there, I, I got a lot of contacts and they invited me over in the, the Spartans bus, the away game to learn. And in the Netherlands, if you go to an away game, um, it's very different. It's It's not like you're a visitor but it's more like you're a criminal going somewhere in a bus with police around it and it, it, it's just awful but that day uh with crusades to learn it, it was just so so much fun and and um it was a bit like like a school trip only with a lot of alcohol but uh for the rest it, it was yeah it's just just like the old days with uh people sitting in the back of the bus making just uh a lot of fun uh, having a good track i think it's called in belfast uh, that's one of the things I learned besides Balloon, which is an idiot. I also learned that one. Uh, but it, it was just uh, a lot of fun. And also the next visit to uh, Crusaders, it was uh, like everyone still knew me. And yeah, like I knew them uh, for, for, for many years as well. And that was what I liked about Crusaders and, and not their uh, special history or their football abilities or something like that, but only yeah, purely the family feeling that you get over there and that was different at other clubs um for example one of my friends Mathieu is really into uh Clifton-Till, and i can understand that but Clifton-Till is a very different club it's very passionate and it has a very interesting story this was one of the stories that i i liked most for the book because Clifton-Till was a protestant club small dull protestant club and now they turned out uh because of the troubles they uh, developed to be a very big Catholic club with a, with a very fanatic uh, a group of supporters behind them. And I really liked that and I really liked to write about it. And I met some wonderful people over there, but it's just a very different club. But every club has uh, special things and it has wonderful uh, people. Uh, at Linfield, for example, I have to mention, of course, Ricky um, and you, of course, Jason, but also Ricky. You made the club uh, way better than, than than I was expecting it to be because Linfield is the big club. It's a bit like the Ajax from uh, Northern Ireland. It's a bit more arrogant, more difficult to enter uh, the club. Uh, they were not very welcoming either. Um, but when I met you and when I met Ricky, I just felt different about the club immediately. Like, oh yeah, yeah, there are also very friendly people here, and I understand why they support this club. Um, and I even uh, ran the half marathon together with Ricky, so that, that was one of the most uh, special things that uh, came out, out of the experiences of my book. 
I never thought that I would go to run a half marathon. I would, I would never ever thought that I would run it uh, together with a squad from Linfield. So that was really good fun as well. So do I have a favorite club? Uh, no, I think that all four clubs have something special. Um, and I just felt a bit like a football prostitute uh, during the writing of my book because I could just cheer for every club. And I have to um, admit that sometimes I cheered for one club scoring against another club, which I cheered for uh, just a few weeks earlier. So sorry about that, but I did uh, cheer when uh, Glenn Thorne scored against Linfield, and I also cheered for Linfield when they scored about uh, when they scored against Crusaders. So yeah, I'm really a cheap football prostitute. So I'm very, really very sorry about that. A very diplomatic answer there, I would have thought, Vider. Um, so I'm wondering, I mean, the first time you contacted me, obviously you contacted me out of out of the blue, wanting to speak about my club, Linfield, and you mentioned briefly there about your experiences of trying to engage with that club. But what sort of preconceptions did you have about Linfield? You said that myself and Ricky changed your opinion of what, uh, of what Linfield Football Club was like, but what was the idea of the club before you arrived here? Um, yeah, there were two. Uh, one... Um, it was really difficult to get in contact with people of Linfield. Uh, in the end, I had contacts uh, within the club and they were really friendly and they showed me around and everything went, went well from there. But also the supporters clubs, um, they never reacted uh, when I wrote them. And uh, that was quite annoying. I was thinking, well, what, what kind of close club is this? If you compare it with other clubs, if I just uh, send one email, it was like, oh, here you have 10 phone numbers, 10 email addresses. Just call them all and good luck with it. And if you need anything, uh, we will always help you. Um, and the other thing, the only thing I knew about Linfield was uh, about the story uh, that you had to play in Haarlem in uh, 1980 or 1979 after the riots in Den Um So the only thing that I knew about Linfield and the only thing you um, know about, you can know about Linfield. Uh, what you hear uh, in, in the stories here in the Netherlands is that it's a very Protestant club that Catholics were not allowed to play for Linfield. Um, and it was a very sectarian club. And it was really black and white. And in my book, I tried to explain that it was not black and white, but it was a very gray area. Like everything in Belfast is a very gray area. And it's really easy to have your opinion based on, on, one, uh, uh, on one thing and then say, well, Everything other is just wrong, but that's just not the case in Belfast, especially also with Linfield. There were reasons why there were not many Catholics playing for uh, Linfield uh, between the 1970s and the 1990s, and things have changed. And it would be easy for me to write uh, purely about uh, the period in the 1980s and 1990s that there were no Catholic players and to write only about the riots, but that was not the complete story. And with talking to uh, you and also with Ricky, um, that helped to change my mind a little bit. Also, reading a lot of books about Linfield helped a lot. Um, and what I learned while writing this book is that every story in Belfast has so many sides. There is never a right or a wrong, of course. Sometimes there's morally right or wrong, but there, there's always a very big gray area. And in my book, I really try to explain that. And most people uh, accepted that in the, in the Netherlands, but I did have some readers complaining that um, they thought it was wrong for me 
to uh, try to stay in the middle that I should have an opinion about some things, but sometimes I just do not have an opinion because I'm from abroad. I never lived in Northern Ireland. I cannot have an opinion about what happened. I have my thoughts about it, but it's very different than having your opinion about it. Uh, for example, I had one guy uh, tweeting me that um, he could not accept that I was writing about dairy and not about London dairy. For me, I wrote about dairy, not because um, the Catholic side choose about dairy, but because the club I was writing about is Dairy City. So it would be very weird for me to write about London dairy when I was uh, writing a lot about uh, Dairy City. So I thought, well, I'm just using one side or one side, not one side. I'm just using one style and I'm staying with dairy and I'm not staying with London dairy and dairy. But for him, that was uh, very difficult to understand. And also that I was writing about Cliftonville. Um, that was also something that gave a negative response uh, for some people, because um, yeah, why on earth was I writing about Catholic uh, side of the story? We are we are Protestants here, so why why was I writing about Catholics? It, it didn't make any sense. So that was uh, that was quite surprising. I did not uh, expect that. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was really special. So can I take it back a step? I'm, I'm conscious that um, obviously this isn't a football podcast. This is a, a history podcast. And so people are tuning in to hear about history and they're probably wondering why all this conversation about football. But you've mentioned the book there a couple of times. I want to know from you, Vider, where did this idea come from for a book, which of course is about the history of football in Belfast? Um, how do you go about writing such a thing? Well, I... Uh, I'm very interested in, in, in history, uh, in culture, uh, and in people, um, and I love to combine this interest with football, because I think if you go to football clubs and you meet football supporters, that you really go into the veins of the society. If you are a tourist and you're only going to the city center of Belfast, you're never going to know the people of Belfast. Uh, football was just a good excuse to explore Belfast. And in my book, I do barely even write about people. Uh, I do write about some, some historical things that happen about people, but not about the matches, because no one is interested in that. Um, I also uh, wrote a few articles about football in Northern Ireland before for a local newspaper and football magazine. Um, and I also wrote a few articles about other uh, conflict areas, uh, like Sarajevo, Famagusta, uh, which is in Cyprus. And I'm just very interested in the combination between football and history. And that, that was basically one of the reasons when uh, why I wanted to write about Belfast. The other reason is that I was always very intrigued about uh, Northern Ireland, about Belfast. Everything you hear the news here about Northern Ireland is negative. Um, and the first time that I visited Belfast, my family was very scared. That I was going to Belfast to be safe and uh, to not uh, take take a taxi and uh, always uh, always look behind you, go inside when it's dark, uh, th things like that. Because um, the image of Belfast in the Netherlands is not very positive still. And the first time that I that I entered, uh, first time that I was in Belfast, I was still thinking, well, this might be a very dangerous place to be. Uh, but it was just a very relaxed place to be in a very uh, friendly uh, city as well and of course there are still many issues and 
um, if you go to the outskirts of Belfast, maybe it's very different than, than in the city center. I, I do know that, but uh, Belfast is very different than, than it's being uh, portrayed in the, in, in the Netherlands. And I really wanted to write about that and to give the people of Belfast a voice and to tell the people here in, in the Netherlands what Belfast is really like. And how long and did it take? How long did it take you to write the book from start to finish? How long was the project? The project started uh, in 2020, uh, right before COVID. So the first year I could not do a lot. Uh, I did write a lot of things. And and, uh, to be honest, a lot of things that I wrote in the first half year, I just threw them away after my first visit to Gary and, and Belfast. Because if you're not on the place, it's very different to write about it uh, and um, my first visit to Belfast was in 2015 and from that moment I also wrote a few articles for a newspaper and for a magazine so I did have my, uh, my my information ready a little bit uh, but the writing itself started in 2020 and especially from October 2021 onwards I think yeah from 2021 onwards until uh, summer 2022, it was um, almost like a full-time job uh, next to my full-time job because uh, I had a lot of visits to Belfast and I had to write a lot, had to read a lot, had to interview a lot of people. So the writing itself took around, uh, around a year and uh, reading all the old newspapers, all the articles, all the books, also for a year. The whole project took about two years. Um, but also five years before that, um, it already started with, with getting a lot more interest in Belfast and, and, a, and a few visits. So officially two years, but in my head, uh, at least seven years. So Vider, the book is obviously in Dutch, and so I haven't had an opportunity to read it, despite having heard so much about it. Uh, there won't be an English translation, as far as I can gather, but can you share with the listeners um, some of the stories that you've uncovered on your journey, and also, I suppose, more importantly, some of some of the conclusions that you've reached. Yeah, the book uh, contains uh, six chapters, and every chapter is about another club from Belfast, and also one chapter is um, about Derry City. So the chapters are about Derry City, Glentoran, Crusaders, Linfield, Cliftonville, and also Belfast Celtic. Um, and in every chapter I try to tell a little bit about the history of the club and also uh, uh, a part of the history in the 20th century in, in Belfast or in Northern Ireland or Ireland uh, particularly um, and some stories that I found about the clubs for example uh, if you look at Derry um, I had a tour in the box side from one of the sons of a person who was uh, killed on Body Sunday um, that was very uh, interesting to get a tour from him, um, very difficult uh, also, to be honest. Um, and I also wrote about the game against Vitesse, because Derry City played against Vitesse twice uh, in the UEFA Cup. Um, and the funny thing is that the players of, of Vitesse, they are still talking about a bomb that went off before the game. They were in the, in the dressing room and then outside the bomb went off. And they were really scared. Um, and I told that story to uh, one of the uh, people working for Derry City, and he was looking at me like, what? A bomb exploded that day? Do you mean Benfica? 
no, 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 I really mean against Citizen. No, doesn't ring a bell. No, but we had so many bombs. It was just a minor bomb, I think. And and for those Dutch players, it was really a big thing. And for, for the people in Derry, it was uh, another day at the office. So that was uh, one, one of the stories that I really liked about, uh, about Derry. Uh, another story about Derry is that there is a Dutch supporter called uh, Jeroen. Uh, Jeroen is in his 40s now, and he is also a supporter of, of Vitesse. And when Vitesse and Derry met for the first time, he got in contact with some uh, people from Derry. He visited them in the early 1990s. And since then, he is uh, he just loves to go to, to Derry. He, he met a lot of people there. The people who invited him over became very good friends of him. Uh, one of his children is even named after uh, one of the family members uh, that, that invited him over. He was even at the funeral when the mother of the family passed away a few years ago. So he has a very close connection with the club. And uh, I talked with him a lot about uh, Derry City because that club means a lot to him. Uh, so that was one of the stories in the book. So it, it's really important to know that the title of the book is Football Belfast or Football City Belfast. Troubles and the ball in Belfast, but it's not only about the troubles. The troubles is are the troubles are important in the book because it's a very special and interesting period to tell about. But it's not the main focus of the book. It, it, it's not only about the negative sides. I wanted to write about the positive sides. Uh, for example, at Bantoren, um I uh, have a story about well, positive sides. I have a story about the Titanic, which is not something uh, to do about the troubles, but also not very positive, maybe, but also uh, about East Belfast, about the Belfast Blitz. And I've also interviewed the two Dutch players who played at uh, Glen Thorn, because in all those years, we only had two Dutch players playing in the, in the Northern Irish League, Elfio van Overbeek and Guido van der Kamp. Um, and Elfio van Overbeek, I visited him at Glen Thorn a few years ago for the game against uh, Christenville. So that's one of the stories uh, about Ventoren, also about the Vienna Cup, of course. The people at Ventoren are very proud of the Vienna Cup, and I have the impression that the other teams in Belfast uh, make a little bit of a joke about uh, about that cup. But uh, the story behind it was really special uh, to write about. Uh, at Crusaders, um, I had a tour in, in the area, so uh, Justin, the supporter by his son, officer of the club, showed me around in, in North Belfast. He told me a lot about um, the area, but also about the club and the tour. Lasted for, I think, three hours or, or, or something. I was expecting to have a small tour for half an hour, but uh, Justin was thinking a little bit different about that. Um, and he showed me around everywhere. So that's one of the stories about Crusaders, also about uh, the agent uh, uh, that was uh, killed uh, during a game in 1980. By the IRA, that was also one of the stories. Um, and I write about the match that I visited against, I think it was against Palimina, where I was invited in uh, the boardroom after the match, and the food there was, yeah, it was it was quite quite good. We had some chicken over there with coffee, so it's a very good combination. And I and, and I just like to write about the funny details and about the things that are different than in the Netherlands. I, I really love to write about those details. Linfield, um, I, write, I wrote about the game that they had to play in Haaland, but I always try to find a link with the Netherlands. And, and uh, Linfield had to play twice in the Netherlands uh, in 1980, 1981, against Nantes and against Dundalk. 
And the funny thing about the game that they had to play in Harlem against Dundalk was that the players of Dundalk, they didn't know a lot anymore about that game, but they did know that um, the beer in the Netherlands was disgusting because our uh, glasses are very small and we have foam on top of the beer. Where in the UK, if you order a beer, if you order a pint, you really get a pint and you do not get any foam. And they went back to the to the bar saying, well, this is disgusting. We're not accepting this. Just get rid of the foam and give me some beer. I ordered beer, not foam. In the Netherlands, if you order a beer, there will be foam on it and the glasses are really small. So if someone's going to, to the Netherlands, uh, be aware of that. that you have very small glasses of beer and that half of it is foam if you are unlucky. That was one of the stories that, that I liked about Linfield. Um, and I also talked with one of the uh, supporters who was at uh, the game in Dundalk in 1979. And I uh, wrote a story about the combination with that game, with what happened in 79 at Warren Point, uh, uh, at the, the bomb attack, um, um, at the uh, at Lord Mountbatten in in, in Ireland uh, days before that, so there are are links uh, between the football and the culture, the history, the troubles uh, at every chapter. At Belfast Celtic, I uh, I had a tour with uh, Tully Junior and with uh, Boris Coyle. They showed me around in the museum and they uh, showed me around in the area as well. And I also visited the New Belfast. Uh, Celtic, so the story is also a little bit about how do those two clubs interact? Is that going well? And what is the future for the new Belfast Celtic? And um, Cliftonville was, I think, the first team that I visited in Belfast, and the first team that I had a lot of contacts uh, also because one of the guys at Cliftonville studied in Leeuwarden, and Leeuwarden is where Cambu is from, uh, my team. So I um, knew that guy a little bit. Uh, his name is Seamus, and Seamus is really into Leeuwarden and into Cambuur. He's also going to our big derby next week. So that's really fun. And Seamus has a tattoo sleeve with a lot of tattoos of, uh, of, 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 of Leeuwarden with uh, our famous crooked tower that we have and uh, some, some other buildings in, in Leeuwarden with a bicycle and with, uh, I think he has a windmill because yeah, the Dutch cliche, everyone has at least have a windmill, of course, uh, on his arm. Uh, and Seamus was also a really good help uh, for the book. And Seamus had some really interesting stories about what it's like if you're in your early 20s to live in Belfast. So I wrote about that, uh, but, but also his love for, for Cliftonville and also his love for Cambuur. Because uh, there are not many uh, Belfast, in Belfast, there are not many Cambuur supporters, I think. And, I assume there's only one, and that's Seamus. And Seamus is quite a, a big Cambuur supporter. Uh, after every game, he texts me. And, well, let's face it, this season, uh, this season the texts are not very positive. Um, but the part of the book is about, uh, uh, about Seamus as well and about the story behind this until that it was a Protestant club, that it was a small club, and that is now a very big Catholic club, and, and how did that happen? So... There's a lot of politics in the Cliftonville chapter, which is maybe quite all right, because I think that Cliftonville is the most political club um, in Belfast. That's also one of the conclusions in my book that, um, of course, there are a lot of politics in Belfast. Everything, maybe everything is about politics in Belfast and in Northern Ireland. But in football, uh, they try to get politics as 
much as possible out of uh, the game. Only at Clifton what I saw is that it's very difficult to get the politics out of it with a lot of banners with uh, political movements, a lot of things about Palestina, about Che Guevara, about Catalonia, uh, things like that, uh, about the Irish case, of course. And it was different than at other clubs. At other clubs, I did not see and hear a lot of uh, political things. I have to say that the accent in Belfast is very different than uh, the English accent that I've learned at school. So maybe I misheard a lot of things as well, or didn't just understand it if uh, people at Linfield or Pintorin uh, sang some uh, political chants. But um, yeah, long story short, one of the conclusions in my book is that Liverpool is one of the most political active clubs in uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, but it's also a very big club, a very fanatical club. I went uh, with them to the cup final last year. It was also uh, very interesting. And one of the friends that I took with me on my trips, Mathieu, he's really into Clifton now. He even visited uh, the European away game in Slovakia earlier this season. And every time uh, when I'm not uh, supporting Clifton he's quite annoyed because uh, according to him, there's only one club you can support in Belfast, and that's Clifton And every time that I give my very political answer that uh, that I like all clubs in Belfast, he he's just not buying it. Uh, so he's really a Clifton supporter now, and I had to tease him with that in my book as well. Um, you can ask him about his jersey that he got at the club that was the biggest jersey that they had, but still did not fit. Uh, I had to write that down in my book. I, I just love stories like like that. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was just a lot of fun. And, and I hope that the people that write my book, that they understand that Belfast is way more than politics. It is way more than the troubles and the bombings and, and everything that um, uh, has something to do with that. And that Belfast is a very warm city, a very welcoming city, that the people are really friendly, and that there are a lot of stories and people want to tell the stories as long as you are genuinely uh, interested in their stories. and. What I found difficult in Belfast is uh, just to get started. Because if you're saying, well, hi, I'm from the Netherlands and uh, I want to hear everything about you, then people in Belfast are like, no, not going to happen. But in the moment you are entering their pubs and you are giving them a beer and you are entering the football clubs and talk about football, it's really a very good conversation starter. And if people get into trust you a little bit, then uh, you hear a lot of stories. and. Um, those stories are very diverse. There are people that I spoke that that, that that went through some awful things and told me about it. Or there were also a lot of people that I spoke that were only looking at the future and think that the future is brighter than the past and that we should focus on that. Um, so that's also one of the conclusions in, 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 in the book that it's just um, a very special city and that people should visit Belfast and it's a safe city to visit. Of course, there are many things going on still, uh, but um, it's safer than many people think. It's a very nice city. It's also an affordable city. If you want to watch football, then Belfast is a very nice city as well. You have four beautiful clubs on almost walking distance of each other, where it's very easy to get tickets. Um, the supporters really like it when you visit them, and that's, that's very different than uh, if you go to the Premier League, for example. So, yeah, the main conclusion of my book is just go to Belfast. You will not be disappointed about that. It's really a city worth visiting. And I want to visit it uh, 
as many times as, as possible uh, in, in the next few years. Although with uh, another child uh, on the way and to be expected in August, I have the impression that Belfast is not uh, on my uh, list for the next year, but let's see when I can uh, visit Belfast again. I really want to go back soon. Let me bring this back full circle, if I may, uh, back to you. If people are so minded, how can they follow your work? How can they buy the book? And secondly, um, what, what's next for you in terms of your historical writing? Is there any more you can squeeze out of the history of football in Belfast? Or have you, have you got another, another project in mind? Um, yeah, we are going to uh, write another book uh, at Stan Tribune, the publisher uh, that also published this book um, about um, the Oval. Um, that will be like um, a combination between a magazine and, and a book with um, just a lot of photos about the Oval with uh, 10 or 12 chapters about the Vienna Cup, about uh, match day, about uh, the game against Linfield. Uh, and, and, and I think it's very interesting for the people in the Netherlands because we do not have stadiums like that anymore. And it's going to be in English and in Dutch. Um, so for the English-speaking world, um, they can buy that one. And, and there are a lot of pictures in it as well. Um, my book is only in Dutch, but if people want to buy it, they can buy it at every bookstore in the Netherlands online. Uh, or just go to the website of the publisher. It's called Staan Tribune. .nl and they can buy it there. Uh, it does have some pictures in it, so people can look at some pictures, but I made those pictures myself and uh, I'm a very bad photographer. Um, and um, if they want to read it, they might need uh, Google Translate. Uh, but yeah, my, my next project will also be about Belfast, and I think that other projects might also be about Belfast in the future, but I think there's still a lot to write about this city and to write about uh, football Northern Ireland in, in general. So I, I really hope to write a lot more about Belfast. I'm, I'm not done with Northern Ireland still. Thanks for tuning in to this latest edition of the Historical Belfast podcast. I was forced to take a short break from the podcast while I started a new job at Clifton House, site of the old Belfast Poor House and arguably the most historic building in Belfast. But now that I've settled in a bit, I hope that the podcast will return once per month with some exciting episodes already in the pipeline. So as ever, please share the episodes with your friends and if you can, please take 30 seconds to give it a rating on Apple and Spotify to help move Historical Belfast up the charts.